I was um, in a service one time, and uh, uh, during the worship, um, as I was, you know, during the worship, what usually is going on is I'm, I'm enjoying it, and I'm receiving it, and soaking it in, and, 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 and celebrating with it, but also what's going on is it, a lot of times the worship kind of will set up where I'm going, or uh, usually how I will start speaking. And they, were, they got to this song where they just kept repeating over and over again, you are holy, Lord, you are holy, you are holy. Their, their hands were up and they were really totally uh, uh, lost in the song, really enthralled in this, 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 this idea or this reality that God is holy. And they just kept singing it and, and, it, would, and, and it, it kept building and to this, you know, like a crescendo. And it was, you are holy, you are holy. And, and, the, and, and the worship leader just, just kept going back to it and they'd sing it again. You are holy, you are holy. And right in the middle of it, uh, I heard the Lord uh, speak to me. Now, uh, and he does speak to you and it happens all the time. And, and uh, one thing I can, say about that is with me almost every single time you, you know it's him because it's something that interrupts your normal way of thinking it's not something that you that you would normally come up with in the way that you think or or or, or believe and right in the middle of that while we were singing lord you are holy god said you are holy and then my mind goes to scriptures and i'm like yeah 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 and he goes tell them they are holy tell them they are holy and today we're going to look at that. We're going to look at that, that word holy. This is, this is actually an identity uh, message, and it's part two of, of, of where I started last night. We're talking about who are you? Who are you? And, and one thing that you are is holy. Now, what does that mean? That's the thing. Now, now Matt did a really good job here uh, a couple of months ago, or a few months ago, I guess, where, he, where he, he talked about that and really defined that. And this will, will correlate with that um, because... I don't think we actually look at it. We look at what does this really mean? And maybe today we'll see it in a, in a much clearer way. I know for most of the, or many years of my Christianity, somehow we got the idea that it was behavior. That it was just how you acted. But holy is a word. It from, comes from the Greek word hagios. It's a word that's used quite a bit in the Bible. And it really just means different. It means unlike the other or others, it means set apart. How we got that to mean behavior, I don't, well, I do know. What have, the, the carnal mind will say, well, we got to be different, and so all they can think of is behavior, right? We've got to be different, so here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll start dressing like we just came in on a covered wagon, and that'll make us different. We'll, we'll, we'll usually, we'll do some things differently, but it's mostly about what we won't do, Right? We won't go to the show, we won't, go, we won't play cards, we won't drink, we won't smoke, we won't cuss, we won't, uh, guys won't wear long hair, women won't have short hair, uh, uh, and it, you know, it, you could go on and on. And some of them want to be holier than the next, so it's not enough that you, that, 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 that you dress a certain way. There, I've been in some churches where they didn't even want the men to wear a tie. And when, when most of them wore suits or suit jackets and pants, they, they wouldn't wear a tie. For some reason, that was... I, I still don't know why, but it was not holy. Um, um, but it simply means to be, to be different. It means that you're not like, like the others. And really, the reason that we're not like the others is because we're like the one who's not like 
the others were like him. <laughs> and we'll look at that this morning. But, but that's really what it means. It means that you're different. We're certainly different than, than what we were or what we thought we were. But I want to do a little science experiment here. I wish I would have brought a lab coat. Whoops. Okay. Now, my science experiment is that I'm going to take a table apart, and then I'm going to put it back together, see? And uh, that shows us the law of um, put it back togetherness. Um, now, believe it or not, I can make a sermon out of that because God did put something together. But here's my science. I got me a little bit of green, uh, gold peak tea, got me a bottle of Sprite, got me some uh, water here, and I've got no sunglasses for, for anybody. But in my little demonstration here, here's man. God makes man, and God makes man in his image, in his likeness. He made man. You got, we got this beautiful picture in the Garden of Eden, and then, of course, the dirty deed is done, and it's not long, and sin enters the world, right? According to Romans 5, 12, through one man, Adam, through one man, sin entered the world. Now, let's look for a minute just at what this sin is. So sin enters the world, and, and it brings a corruption. It brings a pollution. It doesn't look clean. It doesn't look clear. Sin entered the world. What happened right here? What happened at the, uh, at the partaking or the choosing of the, of the knowledge of good and evil? A sin consciousness was one thing, right? Boy, that sure messed up things, didn't it? <laughs> that sin consciousness right now makes us, makes us totally not like God because God's not living in sin consciousness. <laughs> Certainly not his own. And if we really, really know it, we can see it through the gospel too. We see it through the Bible. It's very clear that he's not conscious of, of sin about us either. But anyway, here's Adam and, and here's, here's, here's man and, and, he's, and he's sin conscious. He's got a sense of what? Inferiority. He hides, he's ashamed, he's afraid. When God's, he hears God in the, in, in the garden, what does man do? He, he, he hides, he pulls away. Please always remember that it was man that, that, drew, that pulled away, not God. We look at the story, God was actually drawing near. <laughs> but it was man that pulled away. You say, well, the sin separated. We have, sometimes you've heard, I've heard people talk about, oh, God, just, he, can't, he, can't, he can't abide sin. He's got to se separate from it. He's holy. Well, he is so holy that it doesn't scare him. <laughs> and he is so holy that, don't tell me that he can't look upon sin. He came and became and, and rolled around in it, if you will. Not committing it, but becoming one with it, with us in that sin. He, if he couldn't look on sin, he could never have looked upon us and come and saved us. God totally can look at it without it affecting or changing him at all. Uh, when the Bible says that you are too holy to gaze upon sin or to look, uh, look, upon, uh, look upon sin, look at it this way. He's so holy that when he's looking at you, he's not finding your sin. He's not looking upon sin. He's looking at, at the real you. But here's man, and here's got all this stuff. Now, now he's got a problem because you can't unpollute this thing. There's a sense of separation that's here. There's a sense of unrighteousness. There's a sense of never being good enough, and this has been man's man's age-old problem of trying to be better, trying to be good enough. They'll do it religiously by trying to be good enough for God, right? And that's why we've got so many, all these religions, and they all have their different ways of trying to attain unto something, something better than this. 
And it almost always has to do with how you act or the things that you do, your outward things, and somehow you're going to, you're going to attain. Or it's, maybe it's just sort of thinking yourself up with your natural mind and thinking it up or whatever. But, but through all of those things, nothing has ever worked. And then Jesus comes and is the one thing that worked, and that's why he said, I'm the way. And what Jesus did work because what he did was totally different than everything else. It had nothing to do with you trying to get the, get the pollution out, trying to get the sin, the sin consciousness out, the sense of inferiority, the sense of never being good enough. And that thing, that thing, uh, it, it, it pollutes everything. And it's not just in a religious sense. This is where the, uh, the, 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 the goofy, let me not say goofy because people suffer from it. The, uh, the, the idea of somehow attaining some kind of perfection, even though most of us say, oh, nobody can be perfect, we still want to try real hard. And we're trying to make this look better. Um, people suffer from inferiority complexes, I know I did, because of never feeling good enough. Going around looking like this, and knowing that I looked like this, just compounded it and then we meet Jesus Jesus being the clear liquid he'll be the sprite here and something happens to us and Jesus comes and he unites with us Ephesians 2 says that he united with us came together with us in our death he came together with us in our burial and he came together with us in our resurrection and he changed us and he made us holy. And where you could never have taken the tea out of the water, taken the discoloration, taken the sin, you, nothing you could do could take the sin consciousness out. Even in the Old Testament, B-I-B-L-E, when God had them said, you guys can give sacrifices for your sins every year and it will bring an atonement. And so there's legally, there's not a guilt of those sins because you have made a sacrifice. But Hebrews said that the blood of bulls and goats could never purge the conscience of sin. In other words, when they, when they would go and make that sacrifice, it's like, wow, I have done exactly what I'm supposed to do. The sacrifice was accepted. The sacrifice was made. I am atoned for of my sins, not guilty. Yet in his conscience, he still knows that he's a mess. Still, still doesn't feel good enough. Still, doesn't, still feels a separation from God. Still feels a sin consciousness. And what Jesus does purges. And the verse that we have here is in Titus chapter uh, 3, verse 5 and 6, where he says that we were saved not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now, the point of the demonstration is to show a unity and what that unity means to us. He was united with us in our death, according to Ephesians 2. And oh, there's so much to that. If you ever doubt about the love, have any doubt about the love of God, Think about God who wanted to be with you so badly, who wanted to be with you so much, so much, with you thinking everything wrong, doing everything wrong, and everything else, 
still wanted to be with you. And the way to do it was that he can't get you to come up and try to look like him. But he comes and looks like you. He comes and gets in your world instead of demanding that you, that you try to get up into his world. And, he, and, and because that could not happen, he wanted to be with you. So he says, I'm going to go down and I'm, I'm going to partake of their world. I will partake of that sin. I will, par- I will take all of it upon me. I will become one with them in their sin and in their death. You believe he did that? He did that, didn't he? He became one with us in our sin and our death. Now, if he became one with us then, that was, that's the moment that you cannot divide us from Christ. What's going to separate us? Once he united, this is what's so powerful and so cool. Once he united with us in our sin and in our death, we were united. So when he rose from the dead, because the grave could not hold him, somebody else was with him. We, were, we never separated since then. And we rose together with him. And we became alive together with him and we ascended into heavenly places with him in the spirit, living with God like we do right now in the kingdom and we are united with him. Well, what about, but but still, what about the sin that we do? Find it. Find it and try to take it out. You can't. Because in him there's nothing to take out. Why? Because you're holy. Well, how did I get holy? By the holy one coming to be a part of you. Now, see, let me, let me show you. I, I mentioned this just, just last week, but, but there are three words for, for united or to be together that Ephesians 3 uses when it says that we were united together with him in, 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 in death, together with him we were raised, together with him we ascended, with him. There are three words. That's meta, para, and sum. And meta is like this. Meta means to be associated with. I have three bottles here on the table. I have three bottles together right here. They're all on the same table. They're associated. If I were to go like this, then that would be the word para, where I have all of them on the table, but para is a little bit closer because para means to accompany. So I have para and para. These two are united. These two are together, and these two are together. But then there's the word sum, and that's the one that's used in Ephesians 2. That's the one about me and us and Jesus. This is the mystery that Paul talks about, about a man and woman becoming one. And he says, I know it's a great mystery, but I'm really talking about Christ and his church. They're one. Two became one. They weren't meta. They weren't para. They were sum. Sum is when two become one. And this is the one right here. And it was made holy because of the holy one that's not inside you living next to you somewhere. See, a lot of us have that idea. Yes, Jesus is in me. He's in me. Somewhere in there, he's in me. But we're like doing this this dance where we keep not connecting a lot of times. And, you know, I know he's in there. Let's go a little into more of a reality here. He's not just in there. He's not him and him right here and you right here inside you. It's one. This is the new creation. Christ in you. This is the mystery. The oneness. Christ in you. 
And notice that you can never make the holy unholy. If he became one with you, it's inseparable forever. Do you realize that? You will never, ever, you can never be unholy. You can't, do, you can't make, the, you can never make the holy unholy. Look at this. See if I can do this without making a mess. My wife is, is shuddering right now. <laughs> but let's try to put some of this into the holy, and it cannot make it unholy. Jesus will always be holy. He will always be holy. He will never be unholy, and neither will you. Well, what about if I kick the dog and yell at the kids and fight with the wife right before I got to church, and then I come through the door, hallelujah. <laughs> what about that, Brother Rick? What about this? <laughs> huh? You're holy. You're holy. Somebody says, yeah, but I, I, I still want the behavior to change. Come on, Rick. I get all that. Okay. But what about the behavior? Okay, let's say it this way. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think you're this, what are you going to act like? Let's say you think you're this, but you're really sincere. You're really zealous toward God. You really want to be good in your behavior. But you think you're this. If you think you're a dirty dog that's trying to get clean, that's trying to get better, then you will still continue to repeat the lifestyle of a dirty dog that just keeps trying to get clean and keeps trying to get better. But what would happen if you think you're this? Oh my. If you think you're holy, and really it brings clarity to the language. When Jesus says, be ye holy, well, what about that, Rick? He told us to be holy. Well, sure, be this. Be who you are. Hmm? I wouldn't, you know, It's like looking at you and saying, Lisa, be, be Lisa. Okay. Now, how much, how much effort does she have to put into that? Nothing. <laughs> because when she wakes up, she's still the same. She's, she's that person. She's Lisa. What if she kicks the dog and yells at everybody? She's still Lisa. <laughs> it doesn't change who she is. But when you know who you are, you can start to act out. Really, that's the big difference that Jesus, he, he was given a body of flesh like us. Do you know it can be tempted? Do you know it got hungry? <laughs> hmm? Do you know it thirsted? <laughs> it had wants and needs. He was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. He, got this, he had the same body that we got now, like this. And he also had a spirit which was his God spirit living in him. Part of him, who he was. And he operated out of that. And what do we have? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Holy Spirit. Well, we're so much alike, aren't we? What's the big difference? The thinking, the soul, the mind. He knew who he was. We're still trying to find out. And one reason it's, been, it's, it's sad to say is that there just has been such a low level of revelation of truth about this because people, it, because our, most of the time our, ch our churches have been more carnally minded and they're dealing with your flesh, trying to get you to straighten up, talk right, walk tight, and spit white, you know, and, try, and, 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 and I talk to pastors and I'm like, nobody can do that. And they say, well, we're supposed to, I say, do you do that? I'm like, no, but I try. 
Oh, what, what, what page is that on? As long as you try, it's counted unto thee for righteousness. Come on. <laughs> Because really, and we hear it around here, we teach it around here all the, t- all the time. Every word that comes from here tells us that it's not by what we do. It's not by our righteousness. Jesus is the hero here. You didn't do this. The Holy One did this for us because he loves us, right? And that's why we celebrate him. That's why he's the name above, above every name. Who are you? When you go out of here, who are you? You're holy. You're holy. And as a man thinks, so is he. When you look at this and, you, and you're aware of this, because most of this, all it is, because the truth is the truth. It's been the truth for a long time for you, about you. But man, it's when you become aware. When it's in your consciousness and you wake up and you know that you're holy, man, you're going to have a day that looks a lot more holy. So what does that mean? I'm trying to quit smoking my cigarettes. I've told one lady recently in the church, I said, don't worry about about those things. (laughs) Enjoy God. (laughs) Enjoy being the new creation. Enjoy being who you are. Because those things don't change this, whether you do it or whether you don't. It's really not that impressive. Now, it might be better for your health, but, but don't be condemned about who you are and your condition over all these things. He poured it out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 tells us that we were once alienated. I have to be careful about which one I drink here. You, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind, in your mind by or because of wicked works, Yet now has he reconciled. Look it up. It means to be, look at that word reconcile, to be made, to be set at one. From the beginning, this was the eternal purpose. It was going to be done. Jesus was going to come. All this was going to be, was going to be done. This was always the heart, the mind, him and you would be together. Always. And he'd really, really like it. I know because he told me. He'd really, really like it. If you would enjoy being one with him. And, and, we, and we, we enjoy it by knowing that there's nothing that we do except just be who we are. Because whatever, whoever you are, he really, really, really liked you and likes you. And wanted to be with you and says, I'm going to come into your mess and watch what happens to that mess. I'm going to come into your inferiority complex. I'm going to come into your sin consciousness. I'm going to come into that sense of separation and I'm going to come in and I will make you new. I will give you a new heart and I'll take away that hard heart and I'll put in a soft heart. My heart. This is me and you. I'll tell you, what are we going to act like when we start realizing that we have a Christ heart? (laughs) What are we going to act like when we start realizing that we are, not, we are not what we thought we were? We're not something trying to connect with God. God already connected with us. And really, it's, 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 it, this is not a deep message. It, uh, the only reason that, there's, that it seems deep is because we've got to cut through so much manure to get to the reality of what he's done. 
We would take away so much of the wrong teaching. This should have been something from day one that every, every one of us heard. We were alienated and enemies in our mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, set at one, verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you, look at this, come on, it's a Bible, to present you holy, <laughs> blameless, and beyond reproach in his sight. Somebody, see, the carnal mind goes cuckoo with this. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, I see it, but I, if, man, if I buy that, no, don't tell him how wicked I'll be. Really? Do you even know who you are? Somebody says, what then? So shall, shall we just sin so grace can abound? I love what Paul said. He said, look at this. How can you? How can you when you have died to that? If you were still that, maybe. <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> You've been changed by someone and someone greater than you. You'll forever be holy. When you wake up tomorrow, you're holy. Tomorrow night, you're holy. When you're watching the Rams beat the Niners, you're holy. <laughs> and what this does, it gives you a new heart, a new, a, 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 it's a newness of life, isn't it? We sang about that, celebrating that this morning. And it gives you a God consciousness. And the child of God has a God consciousness. The man who's aware, he's, who's aware he's in Christ is not sin conscious. He's God conscious. He's conscious of his righteousness. He's conscious of his, of his unity. Can we put the, do we have a, a slide up there that, that gives the difference? The man that he's aware of he's in Christ goes from sin consciousness to the consciousness of being loved by the Father. That's what this looks like and this is this is this is this this is you this is the heart you have this is why you can always partake of this this awareness that you're loved by the father this happened how did this guy who didn't feel like he was worthy of being loved by any human being how does he now strut around and think that oh god really loves me a whole lot how how, where, how do you get from here to there you you not because you climbed up to some high state of consciousness you just looked, and you saw the truth, and something started, started changing. Your mind, which was alienated from God because of those wicked works, it was because of those works, because of the actions that caused us to think the way that we did, and that made it seem that no matter what we did, we could never quite connect with God or get, get with God the way we really, really want to. And it made it seem hard to hear God, and it made it seem hard to please God, and it made it seem hard to even be aware of God at many times. Father, I pray by the Holy Spirit that your spirit would give us the, the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of you, that we would know the hope of our calling and what is the riches that are embedded inside of us. And the greatness of that power, that same power that you worked in Christ that now has, abides in us. From sin consciousness to God consciousness. To a consciousness of being loved by the Father. Well, how could God love someone after I've done what I did? This is what you're conscious of. Of course he loves you. And even if you still look like that, he'd still love you because he loved you before he changed you. <laughs> you go from a sense of inferiority to belonging. This is you. Of course you belong with God. 
Of course you belong in the kingdom. Of course you belong with all the goodness that God has. From sin consciousness to consciousness of being loved by the Father, from inferiority to belonging, from separation to righteous. (laughs) And from never good enough to being perfect and complete in Him. And you can see the difference between human frailty, weakness, and, and even and behavior, flaws and failures. You can see the difference between that and who you really are. Because that no longer becomes your identity. It doesn't even enter your consciousness anymore. It's what I did. Boy, I don't want to do that again. It, it, it becomes that simple. But there's no condemnation in it, is there? There's no condemnation in it. And see, and that, that, that's been a problem in religion because we used to think that condemnation was the secret sauce to get us to change. If we could be ashamed of it enough, then we will muster up our willpower and we'll finally really change. They used to tell me this. They'd say, Rick, once you finally hate it enough, you'll stop. And I'm like, I hate it! <laughs> I'm crying all night long. I'm begging God. I'm going to every head squeezer and stomach puncher I can find in church, and I can't change. (laughs) Once you really mean it, Rick, I mean it. (laughs) What worked? What Jesus did. Jesus said, you know, back then, he says, you're going to know the truth. And it's the truth that's going to make you free, not your willpower. Not your intelligence. Not any of the other things, right? Or the lack of. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. In Colossians chapter 1, I want to finish up here with this reading this beautiful passage that says it so clearly to me, beginning in verse 19. Listen to this closely. For God is satisfied... To have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ, in you. Look at you. Who are you? Who are you? God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in, <laughs> everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. Back to its original intent. Restored innocence again. Did any of you ever hear that sometime in the future God is going to Jesus is going to present to himself a church without spot or blemish or any such thing. And then what was usually followed up in the places that I would sit and listen is they would say, what that means is God's got a lot of washing and ironing to do. He's got a, there's got to be a lot of cleaning up before that happens. And we would all amen and nod our heads and we would agree because we sat there thinking that we were all spotted. Thinking that we were all blemished. But remember the demonstration, it was the washing of the water of the word that presented you blameless and spotless. <laughs> Somebody's getting this, raising their hands. <laughs> huh? 
What's he doing right now? He's presenting. Where are the spots? Where are the blemishes? He already has a bride who's spotless. He already has a bride whose sins were once red as scarlet, but now they're as white as snow. And she's dressed in fine linen, according to the book of Revelation. And that revelation is our righteousness. I mean, excuse me, that, that, that linen is our righteousness, the righteousness of the saints. Where did our righteousness come from? Nothing we did, all that he did, right? What Jesus did from the beginning and from the original intent Everything in heaven and earth is brought back to itself. We're brought back to our original intent and we are restored to innocence again. Skip down, look at verse 21. Even though we were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself and he released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Welcome home. Verse 26, there is a divine mystery a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy, 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 holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ that's embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everybody to know it. Verse 28, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of the truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of his being, of, of being his perfect one in Christ. Would you all stand up? <laughs> yeah, give God glory, glory, glory. Don't you love it? Wow, what good news. That's why somebody, I like what somebody said one time, said the sinner's prayer really should just be, wow, receive. <laughs> Jesus, what have you done? <laughs> I present to you our bridegroom, our lover, our Lord, our Father, our God. Present to you your children, holy, blameless, a spotless people here today. We have nobody to thank but you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, in the name of our Savior, our Savior Jesus, amen. Give him a praise. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great day.